0: Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, November 4th, we look at Lesson 5, Excuses to Avoid Mission. Together, let's pick apart these excuses and turn them around in order to be
1: fulfilling promises. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience. And now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study.
0: All right, here we are, lesson five of quarter four, Michael, and our memory text is Isaiah chapter six, verse eight. It says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Isn't that great? No excuses. Here I am, Lord,
1: send me. Absolutely. I, you know, I think that's kind of the response God's hoping for is is he wants our uh, hopeful, willful response, a joyous response to go.
0: Yes. And and I, I love this because oftentimes we think God's going to pick us up out of uh, nothingness and just say, oh, go here, go there. But sometimes he's looking for us to say, God, I'm willing, send me. And then he gives us direction as well. So this is a, a two-way relationship, it's not just one way. So here is Isaiah saying, "Lord, I'm I'm ready whenever you are." And God uses him. And this week Sometimes we're going to be in talking surprising about surprising ways. Yes, <laughs> in very surprising ways. So Michael, this week we're going to talk a little bit about a gentleman by the name of Jonah. My wife had had a student by the name of Jonah. It's not him. Hello, how are you doing, okay. sir? But this is <laughs> this is actually an actual character in the Bible, actually person who we actually lived a long time ago. And so, Michael, tell us a little bit about Sunday's lesson, Our Excuses.
1: <laughs> right. So here we go. Yeah, Nahum talks about this, the prophecy about Nineveh, right? And so we have this description for us in Nahum chapter 3, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 1 through 4. and describes the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. I mean, it's just absolutely... Terrible.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is.
1: Corpses laying around. And this is this description of Nineveh. And we we know from ancient descriptions from people study the ancient Near East, you know, that that it was it was a gruesome city where people they love to conquer others, take their heads, post them on pikes around the city. So when it talks about a bloody city, it was literally a bloody city. And just, you know, it's just kind of looking and saying, you know, even, you know, we have wars going on right now, right? In right. Israel and, and and we have uh, with, with Russia and Ukraine and war is terrible, but this is a particularly gruesome kind of city ethos uh, through which they are, are living. And it goes back. These are ancient stories. Second Kings is referred to here and the, the, the king of Assyria invaded the land. And, and so on and and made the um, ancient Israelites captives, right And so there's there's a lot of history that's going on that reminds us that you can see why in ancient the ancient Near East why the Israelites would have anybody would have good reason to fear Nineveh they were just a, a bloodthirsty people so, When God calls them to mission, this is why I was saying, you know, sometimes God surprises us. Sometimes God sends us to the people that we're least likely to want to help. These are the people that, you know, they're just not only different from you, but these are the people that are mean. They're the bullies. They're not just beating people up. They're killing them in the most gruesome way possible. And God says, hey, I want you to go and share the gospel with these people and you can see why that would strike fear in their hearts and 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 this is kind of i think this is a part of what you know sometimes god calls us to be uncomfortable when it comes to sharing and proclaiming the gospel that that sometimes we our initial reaction is one of fear god calls us to share in some way in some unexpected way and then and, and initially are like well why god why me you know why because because it it actually feels a bit dangerous feels dangerous right yeah so that's that's what's going on uh when it comes to excuses why we shouldn't share is is not just uncomfortable it's 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 directly this is a legitimate fear right this is this Mm -hmm. is not kind of imagination these guys are scary people And and not only do they do they have reasons to fear, but there's also false views. And I know that's the subject for Monday's lesson.
0: Yes, and so as we're continuing on with the story, the account of Jonah, it says here, when the storm came, Jonah blamed himself, and rightfully so. <laughs> he was running away, and we, we see everything that happened. But it talked about the worldview of the people that are on the boat and also the worldview of Jonah, how he viewed things, and it asks. Us this question. It uh, tells us to read Jonah two verses one through three and seven through ten, and it says from inside the fish. This is one through three. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said. And by the way, this is as he is cast into the sea, and there's ser- sereneness that comes about, and he's swallowed by the fish, and he ca- he calls out, and he said, "In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me." From the mm. From deep in the realm of the dead, I call for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. and as we're continuing on here, Michael, in verse uh, verse seven, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer arose rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I vow what I have vowed I will make. And so we see here that Jonah's view of God was that God is sovereign. He said, mm. God, you're in charge. I, I, I messed up. I ran. I tried to control my own, my own ways, and I went against what your will is. And so now here I'm confessing, and we see we know the rest of the story. But here it also brings up, like, listen here, by the way, so- believing in the sovereignty of God is not a, a false view. That is a true view. But – some misunderstandings that we can have, and the lesson brings this up, is thinking that salvation lies in our hands, that we get to mm-hmm. pick and choose, not only our salvation, but sometimes we get to pick and choose for others. Sometimes we want to say, oh, this person's lost because X, Y, or Z. Well, the good news is I'm not God, and the great news is I'm not God. He is judge, and listen we can warn each other and say, hey, you are acting in a way as someone who is not saved you're acting or or conducting yourself in a way that doesn't show you have a relationship with god i can say that but for me to put you in heaven or for me to put you in hell is not for me to do that is ultimately uh god's work and he works with us uh with that being said there's another misunderstanding that shares here it says a misunderstanding that stops us from accepting god's call and believing and that is it says we make we have a savior mentality about mission so we make it so that we are the ones who are the ones doing the saving so we put a cape on i think psychology calls it a god complex narcissistic ways whatever you might want to call it i'm the only one that's good in my life no there's no one that is good except for one and that is god himself and we have to realize that take off the cape and put it where it actually belongs and we have a Savior who actually never wore the cape, who was meek and lowly. And so in all these things, we have to make sure that our understanding of who God is is not based or, or on anyone else's ways or thoughts, but is based on what God says about God. It's based off of what God reveals about himself and helping us to not impose or superimpose our will upon God's will and our ways upon God's ways. And so we have to be careful with false views, but we also have to be careful with true views. And that's why we have the church, Mm because iron sharpens iron. And Michael, I might be running contrary to what God is sharing. And that's why I have a brother like you who says, Buster, actually, have you read the scripture? Let's read this together, study together so we can keep each other in line and on track. And so, Michael, that being said, tell us about our next excuse, which is inconvenience.
1: Yeah, so this is crazy right so this is where we have the description of jonah right he's the reluctant one that's going running away from god at first and god has to take his attention and bring him back very dramatically with the the large sea creature right and so he finally is back in nineveh where he didn't want to go and the question the lessons asking is is how did the people actually respond right so here's this description of him going into the city and by the way verse two i think it's really important and it says actually god came to jonah a second time but verse two go to the great city of nineveh and proclaim it to the message i give you and so what is the message it's the message of repentance the message of god's right. love for them right and 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 there verse five it says the ninevites this is the answer to the question the ninevites believed god so believe god through the messenger <laughs> through 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 jonah and it says a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth and that his warning reached the king of Nineveh. And even the king takes off his royal robes and goes into sackcloth and ashes. Right. And so they they repent. That's that's the answer here is they they repent. And, and this has got to be incredulous. Right. So we think about we talked about doing evangelism and preaching the gospel to the world. And here we have this reluctant evangelist who's incredibly successful. I mean, how many people can say they've gone to a city and converted a whole city? Buster? An entire city. Yeah. Sorry, this so is a big city. From the king down, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: incredible. Incredible. Like, talk about, you know, success in terms of actually having people literally respond and 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 accept God's. Uh, grace and love and mercy and, and everything else. So this is this is really uh, quite amazing. Sometimes we're reluctant evangelists, but if God's calling, the spirit of God's moving in people's hearts, that uh, God will even work in spite of ourselves to make yes. sure that that message is proclaimed. And here we have this beautiful story of the beautiful response, even, even if the messenger <laughs> himself was <laughs> reluctant and unwilling and that's that's beautiful you know sometimes evangelism is inconvenient that's what i think this is talking about here
0: yes i do
1: why 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 go you know why go <clears throat> it's not easy it's not comfortable to go into uncomfortable situations to people that don't like you that want to have killed your ancestors and and really these <laughs> are there's long-standing deep-seated prejudices and yet here we have the story of where god worked in spite of that and i think that's the power of the gospel to change lives work across culture cross-cultural barriers even to people's enemies and you know we can think of it right now we've got wars going on and, and and with all due respect i realize there's sensitivities this is not trying to make a political statement but but just imagine right now that someone from the palestinians or israel you can pick either right. side and then, you know, like, well, look at all the history and all the hurt and pain and people that have been killed. Say, God's calling me to be an evangelist to the other people, whichever side. It could go either way. And and that's kind of the it's hard for us to really grasp the, the gravity of. of but, but that's kind of the kind of thing that God's asking to do. Go to the people that that hate, hate you the most and then share the gospel with them and, and watch them become become converted. Yes, <laughs> that's what's <laughs> happening. It's that's crazy. True. It's crazy. Anyways, it, it leads to more uncomfortable confrontations, which, which is the that's continuing the story of Jonah here for Wednesday Buster.
0: Yeah, Michael, I, I'm going to continue on with the imagery you painted. You know, <laughs> can we imagine? I'm just going to pick one of our greatest <clears throat> evangelists. By the way, they would never do this. What, a matter of fact, I won't say a name. Let's just say one of our greatest evangelists, Adventist evangelists, came to the city of Dallas, but he can't stand the city of Dallas. But God told her to do evangelistic series, All right. and they do an evangelistic series, and twenty-two thousand people decide to give their lives, and 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 the afterwards, the news is there, and everyone's reporting, and hey, there's twenty-two thousand people, there's a revival that's happening here, and the evangelist, says, I can't believe it these people don't deserve to be saved. <laughs> these are awful people. How dare God X? Ex- I knew he was going to do this. I'm out of here. and he Just flees and runs away because he's upset with all the the, the numbers coming in. Mm. Let's be on a day and age where people reject the truth and some people still accept the truth. Evangelist is excited with one soul, let alone thousands and thousands, an entire city that comes to mm-hmm. know God. And so, Michael, I, I share that because... Here in Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but Jonah is hot, he's tired, and God makes a plant grow fast and provides shade over Jonah. And then he sends a worm and the worm chews it up and eats it and I believe it eats the roots and it withers and Jonah wakes up and he's so upset once again. And verse nine. But God said to Jonah, "Is it right for you to be angry about the plant?" It is, he said. I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, "You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there were uh, are more than a hundred and uh, twenty thousand people who cannot tell their right hand from their left?" and also many animals. So <laughs> so in other words, you're 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 upset about this plant that you didn't even plant and here I am concerned about my people, my children who are created in my image, who have the imagio dei and there's 120,000 of them that were saved. So Jonah, please. And and I, and I love how this ends because we don't know what Jonah says next. We don't know what Jonah thinks next. And I think that's intentional uh, because what do you think about it? Uh, How do I think about it when I see someone who might be considered an enemy who is saved, uh, someone who is reformed, who maybe has caused me harm or damage in the past? And we see that and we realize God, too, wants to see as many people as possible reformed and brought into the kingdom. Yeah, I, I I really am listening here, without stepping on any toes, I really appreciate our theology just getting more and more into other world views and denominational views, of recognizing some people, and actually a great number of people who are towards the Calvinist theology believe that God has chosen a certain amount of people and that those are the people who are gonna be saved, and there's no chance for anyone else that hasn't been selected. And mm-hmm. the selection is very exclusive. And we as Adventists believe, the pre- not only just priests of all believers, but we also believe that God is meant for not one person to be lost, but his choice. And, and he even takes into circumstance, takes into consideration circumstances that we don't understand. So in other words, he is the right and just judge and only mm. he can do it. And that's why we trust in him. And so we see here, Jonah, we might laugh at it. Oh, Jonah, so silly. He there's 120,000 people are saved and he's upset. But how many times have yeah. you and I, Michael, or times in our lives where we looked at another denomination and said, because they believe differently than me, there's no way for them to, to be saved or, or we cast aspersions or judgments upon them, not realizing that God is working things out and he's working things out for towards his good. That's going to actually bring people about to the kingdom of heaven. So we have to trust in him and not our own merits, not having those false views, but having the correct views of trusting God and his sovereignty. And as we're finishing up this this lesson, Michael, I I want you to go and take us there. Here I am. Lord, send me.
1: Yeah, so this is kind of a nice way to kind of wrap this up. And we're kind of fast forwarding to the prophet Isaiah. And I think this is applicable for you know all times and places, right? That yes, when God, when we experience so profound as the gospel and how it has changed our lives as disciples, as followers of our Master, the, the initial reaction, I think, is is to want to go and share with others. You know, that's just right. the you don't want other people to miss out on that incredible. A uh, blessing that that the act of grace that works in each of our hearts and lives and and so here we have the commissioning of Isaiah this is early in his ministry uh, chapter six right this it gives the framework the sixth year of King Uzziah when he died right <laughs> and then he's and then it says verse one I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne and it's this beautiful description of the seraphim and and you know you're in the throne room of god in the presence of god it's it's and and the natural response and you see this throughout the bible when someone sees an angel or such a sacred and holy place verse five woe to me right or moses he takes off his shoes that's his initial response in front of the burning bush this is holy ground this is sacred ground. ground you know i am ruined in this translation for i'm a man of unclean lips and so we see uh, our unworthiness. This is a very natural reaction, but but then the angel comes, right? The coal from the altar touches his lips, right? And then he hears a voice from the Lord saying to him, The voice of the Lord, whom shall I send and, and who will go for us? And then the response, I said, Here am I, send me. Yes. And so God invites each and every one of us. There's, there's no rule, there's no exceptions, Buster, right? No. It, it's just a uh, the invitation to, to share, proclaim the good news of Jesus. Here I am, send me. And that I think can be and, and should be, it, it has to be true for each and every one of us. God Absolutely. invites us, here am I, send me. And again, we don't know where that could be. You have to be careful sometimes, right? <laughs> like william miller you know he's feeling a sense of of calling when he's studying in the prophecies of daniel and revelation go tell the world go tell the world this growing gripping consciousness that is just laying on his heart and then finally makes a deal with god you know well god if if, if you have someone invite me to actually share and he thinks he's on safe ground because no one's ever done that before and And then as the story goes that hardly had he made that deal with God, there was a knock on the door and his nephew was there (laughs) to come share that weekend. His, his father had asked him to, to ask uncle Bill, you know, come share with us. what you have been learning from the prophecies and, and he's actually angry with God. Like, you know, yeah. You know, God, why (laughs) he goes according to his daughter, storming out into the back behind into the woods and wrestles with God and And we don't know what happened in those woods, but as Spalding, the historian says, Miller went into that grove a farmer, but he came out a preacher. Mm. And so God was able to use him. And I think that's true of all of us that really, honestly, at times we're reluctant. And yet the gospel, Jesus is inviting each and every one of us to go and tell the world, here am I, send me.
0: You know, Michael, uh, last week, one of our former students, Pastor Samson, stayed over our house for a couple of n- uh, nights as he is nice. uh, presenting, he was presenting we'll at Southwestern. Fun. Oh, cool. yes. And <laughs> he, he and I stayed up one night, uh, late night talking, and he said, can you imagine what it will be like to get to heaven? And he's like, he's like, just imagine, like, he's like, we know it's not like this. He's like, but imagine there are pearly gates, and you're there at the pearly gates, and you're saying, okay, what... what what qualifies you getting in and and he's like he's like you go through all your accolades he's like yeah none of, those, none of those are good enough he's like what's actually good enough is redeemed by the blood of the lamb right but along with that comes this thing that we're going to receive which is a crown and we're going to receive stars on those crown and can you imagine that he's looking at it and he's like you don't have one star on the crown like <laughs> you didn't witness one time you didn't live your life in a way that drew people to Christ one time. Now, by the way, I believe that we're going to have we're going to have stars we didn't even know about. I think there's going to be times where we gave mission uh, money, Michael, where we donated money for a mission trip. And I think it's going to be accounted towards righteousness towards us. And people are going to be saved as a result of that. And I think God's going to give us credit for that. But I also think that that is passive. But I also think active and active living. People are watching us. People are waiting for us to witness and waiting for us to be his witnesses. And not just to receive the stars, but to share the gospel story because it's that's the thing that will transform lives. And with that with that being said, please, audience, live out your life in living the gospel out so that people are compelled to have a relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: So cool. And I love that. And by the way, Samson, if you're listening, a little shout out. We love you. So glad to hear you're dreaming about the gospel and sharing Jesus. Love you, Spirit. Amen. Hear from our former students and and that's what it's all about is relationships and falling in love with jesus more and more and just wanting to share them and that will be a just a great day at those pearly gates when we we all are there and yeah i think i i'm with you buster i think we will be surprised like you know just that act of kindness maybe was what someone needed, that just a little bit extra to kind of keep Very them true. on the path to the kingdom. So whatever it might be, just remember God's inviting you today to, to go and share and and just waiting for that response. Here am I, send me. And with that Adventist mission, that's what it's all about is sharing Jesus. So until next week, thanks for listening to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. And This is Soup and Swoops
0: signing out. out.
1: As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on
0: Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SabbathSchoolRescue.org for each weekly episode.